The average college graduate in 2019 that just graduated in, in May graduated with $39,100 worth of, of debt. And the research has shown that the average bachelor degree recipient takes 20 years, it's actually 19.7 years to pay off their debt. And what that means is there are colossal interest payments that add up over time that essentially just puts you underwater that you can't, you can't recover from them. So the idea is instead of you know, going into that extreme amount of debt in order to get that piece of paper, you know, there, there are so many other ways to do it. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, thank you listeners, as always, for spending your most valuable commodity with us, your time. Today's guest, uh, Austin Loudon Slater, Slager, pardon me, uh, interesting, as a millennial, he was an engineer and then just sold everything to become, as he calls himself, a digital nomad. But one of the things that was really driving him is central to the work that we do here at CRG, and that is, you know, are you really engaged doing what you love, where there's meaning, where there's significant, where there's contribution? And unfortunately, as we know, the majority of people, that's not true. I've recently done a series on my book, The Quest for Purpose, which has now been developed into an online course of the same name, The Quest for Purpose. And my encouragement is to you that are listening and those that you know around you, if you're not living a life that is totally fulfilling, then The Quest for Purpose book and e-course is an option for you to consider. So if you want to learn more about that e-course, go to crgleader.com and then go under online courses to the CRG Academy and you'll see the quest for purpose and all the details are there. You get four assessments as part of it. There's a a step-by-step process where I take you through really this idea of journaling and confirming what you really like in life and you know, why are you here? So why are you here? And so we hope to cover that and to give you a framework in that e-course. And if you are clear about your direction and you know somebody who is not, then do them a gift, a favor, help them to realize their potential by recommending the Quest for Purpose e-course. As always, if you like what we're doing, please pass it on, leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on, let the world know about the secrets of success. So here's our show today, Austin Loudenslager, who's recently wrote the book, What a Time to Be Alive. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, I've always had curiosity about some movements in society around things like tiny homes, and of course, there's this whole online marketing and online passive income. And we're not going to get into part number two very much today, but we're going to get into, you know, where, where do people get their passions around it? And how do, how does somebody even get into uh, being a tiny home consultant? So welcome to the show, Austin Lawden Slater. Now, did I say that your last name correctly? <laughs> almost, almost. It's Loudon Slager. Loud. 
Loud and Slater. Yep. So of course, if I was your mother, I would say that. Hey, you're loud. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad my dad always says they don't call us loud and slager for nothing because we, we definitely make <laughs> make a bunch of noise here and there. Oh, so we uh, we had some of that. Well, I'm glad that you have some passion, some energy. We'll uh, bring that to the show today, of course, for our Secrets of Success listeners. So, uh, Austin, first of all, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're welcome. So, Austin, we always like to uh, get the background, the story, the journey of our guests before we get into their expertise and what they're doing now. So, uh, you know, where did you grow up? What was sort of your family like? And what were some of your interests as a teenager? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, North Dallas uh, in a little suburb called McKinney. I uh, moved there in 1999 when there was 30,000 people. Um, since then, it's been the fastest growing city in America many times, and there's mm. almost 200,000 people there. Um, so just a booming suburb, um, but got two brothers, uh, two great parents, and most of the time spent growing up as a teenager was spent playing sports. Mm. So I was lucky enough to get a opportunity to go play division one football at Rice University and get a engineering degree while I was there. So that, uh, that was the, you know, the middle part of my life, if you will. Now, before we go further, what position did you play in football? I played safety and special teams. Okay, so uh, with special teams, were you the person uh, way back there as the last person defense for the return? Make not, sure that he didn't get into the end zone? Yeah, not quite, um, not quite on the special teams. I was like more of a utility guy on special teams, but at safety on defense, that's absolutely the last line of defense. <laughs> of course, of course. So uh, appreciate that. Now, what did your parents do? What were their sort of their... Were, did they have an entrepreneurial bent, or what was their professions? Yeah, so my mom is an office manager. Uh, she has worked at uh, a few different companies managing the books and managing, uh, you know, the, the cash flow and uh, incoming, out, outgoing payments, et cetera. So she's got a, a really financial mind, a really mathematical mind. My dad is an insurance guru, so he's more entrepreneurial. Uh, he's got his own uh, insurance agency. So, um, so yeah, he's more on the entrepreneurial side, but been in the primarily the health insurance industry for as long as I can remember. Mm, cool. Now, are your brothers younger or older? Both. I am in the middle. So <laughs> I've got a, a younger brother, two years below and an older brother about 18 months ahead. And do you get along with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Me and my brothers are very close. We're very fortunate to have an awesome family dynamic and uh, wonderful parents. And yes, yeah, so older brother lives in Houston. He's in the oil and gas industry. He's, a, um, he's an engineer as well. And little brother lives in Breckenridge, Colorado, um, doing the whole ski thing. Oh, well, and, and gifted that way. Well, awesome. Well, that's great. Now, you said you went to college in um, engineering. What did you do after that? After that, I went into engineering and construction in Dallas. So I worked for a national design build construction firm, which essentially means that we handled the entirety of the process from concept to completion for commercial construction projects. So a company would approach us with an idea. We want this 100,000 square foot warehouse. We want it to be approximately four stories or one story or whatever. You know, they would tell us what the use was going to be. And 
we would take it from concept all the way to completion, handle the design, the permitting, the actual construction, and then the turnover to the client. Mm. Uh, so I was a project manager, and I was tasked with all of the actual work. <laughs> so, so a 20-year-old getting out of college and you're the project manager, how did that happen? Yeah, so the, the company that I was working for only hires engineers from top 20 schools and really uh, puts a lot of responsibility on them. So it's, um, you know, you're, you're drinking out of the fire hose, if you will. Um, and so it's a, a real sink or swim environment. So I, I learned a lot. I got a lot of great business experience and um, really just progressed my career and, and my knowledge of the business world so quickly. And, and I credit a lot of my success today to that experience because mm. at this point I'm running, you know, three, four or five companies and while I was working, you know, immediately after college for that four years, I mean, I was, I was doing more than, um, than I'm doing now by far. Um, but it, it really prepared me to, to really take the next step by myself. Mm. Now, I, sorry, I didn't clarify, Austin, what type of engineering degree did you get? Yes. So I was civil and environmental. Okay. Environmental's never used these days. <laughs> nope, not at all, right? So when you think about an environmental engineer, explain to the audience how that's you know, sort of different. How does that specially manifest itself in the marketplace? Sure, sure. So my experience was uh, revolving around sustainability. And I think this, this ties into my tiny home uh, you know, consultant business as well because I'm, I'm very focused on sustainability and, and really minimizing the impacts on the environment. So that's, you know, you could talk about water sustainability, you could talk about the actual construction process, you know, the materials and what you're using and how that's going to progress long term. Um, but to answer your question, um, it's, it's really trying to design a society that is environmentally friendly and really doing no harm. Uh, so, so that's, I hope that answers your question. No, cool. Cool. So obviously you're a lead consultant as well, or you know, you're aware of that space. Yes, I am. I'm not certified, uh, but, but I have a lot of experience in that space professionally from my career immediately following college. And then today you know, we, we use a lot of those, um, those benchmarks, if you will, to recommend certain, um, utilities and things to our, our clients. Cool. So you worked for this firm for four years. Uh, then what happened? <laughs> yeah. So I burned out. I burned out. It was too much. Uh, I was, I was 26 going on 50 basically. And I realized that I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And there was just so many other things that I wanted to explore and experience and, I just wanted to really be happy again. I mean, I, I had all these, uh, these aspirations growing up, right? I was always looking forward to this period of my life. And I realized that, you know, I was, I was forever living in the future and wasting the present. And I, I just had enough of it. So I reclaimed my life. I, I took it back. And now I'm fully present, living every day, enjoying it and, and doing what I want to do, what I enjoy doing. And, and yeah, so I basically just burned out, had enough and decided to take off. So I literally sold everything that I owned, got out of my apartment, got rid of my vehicle, started uh, living with much less and traveling the world full time. So I've been doing it 
over two years now, and I'm loving every minute of it. Mm. Uh, so what really, uh, I mean, when you think about it, a lot of pressure to stay there. My, um, my life had some similar stories, too, where you get into jobs and you, you're going, going, going. Where did you get the courage to kind of take that step? So you're in this engineering job, probably being played, paid very well at that time, um, status, those kinds of things. So where did the courage come to kind of get out of that pressure box? Sure, that's a that's a fantastic question. There's there's multiple there's multiple aspects of it. So I think the first one and most importantly, I'm I'm extremely fortunate to have a a really great degree. You know, I've got this this top twenty civil and environmental engineering degree that I can fall back on really whenever I want to. I mean, I could I could go back and get another six digit job tomorrow if I if I really wanted to. And so that that was probably the primary aspect where I was like, there's no reason not to go for it because it's simple for me to go back and get a bunch of interviews and walk back into an office and, you know, give all of my time again if I wanted to, if I needed to. Uh, not I don't want to do that anymore, obviously, but but that was that was one thing. The second thing it's just I realized that this is my my one shot, right? Like I'm in my physical prime. I'm in this sweet spot in my you know mid to late twenties, and I felt like I was just wasting my time. And so so I was like, I don't have uh, I don't have the ability to continue to do this and not look back at my life with regrets. So that was that was a huge factor that gave me the courage. And and the third thing was that I had already started a couple of online businesses. So I was like six to 12 months in and generating some decent income. So I, I had just kind of scratched the surface and saw the potential and, and decided to move forward with that as well while I was traveling full time. So that, that gave me a lot of confidence also just having that influx of cash that wasn't requiring a lot of my time gave me a lot of confidence to actually make the leap and, and give it my best shot, knowing that obviously I could fall back on a traditional career with my fancy degree. Mm. So when you think about it, Austin, um, you know, a lot of people who, you know, the online world here, we are doing a podcast virtually, which if you scroll back 20 years ago, was not really something that was out there. You need to have a studio, all these kinds of things. So where did you get the interest and or the skills to create an online business? The interest revolves around the freedom. Knowing the potential lifestyle afforded by an online business gives me that, uh, that, that uh, excitement and that motivation to do it. I didn't necessarily have the experience to start an online business when I decided to. That came with trial and error, you know, and that, trial and error skills basically came from my engineering background and my, um, my corporate experience. So, so yeah, does, does that answer your question? Well, it does. Now what were, uh, and you don't have to reveal it if you want to, but, uh, what products did you start with for your online business? Sure. So I jumped in the deep end. <laughs> I, I probably should not have, uh, I started with a private label Amazon business, which takes a lot of capital to begin. I probably, in hindsight, should have started with a dropshipping business model where you don't need any cash to start and you don't have to store any inventory. It's, it's just much more simple. You can prove the model of the business before you begin it uh, and invest significant capital. I was at a point in my 
corporate career where I was at the end of my rope. I had a bunch of cash and I was looking for some, I was basically looking for a quick way out and I didn't have any bandwidth to do the research and, and to gain the experience that I have now because I was giving 110% of my time and energy to the company. So I found something and went for it. And yes, it was an Amazon private label product. So I manufactured 1,000 of these bad boys from China at the beginning. So I verified the demand of this product. So, so to answer your question, it's a PVC garment bag for like dancers and recitals. Uh, so essentially it's a clear bag that they put their costumes in for their different um, numbers, their different performances, their different songs and stuff. So it has a bunch of pockets in it for all of their jewelry and all of their accessories. And then in it, is all of their different costumes. So it's, it's what's in the changing room. So they're, you know, they do one number, do one uh, song on stage, and then they have to quickly go back into the dressing room and be able to see what they need to change real quick and then go do the next one and then, you know, repeat that process. So that was the little niche that I carved out at the beginning. Uh, the demand was huge, especially in the peak recital periods of the year. So I ended up going for it. So I, I created a new spin of the product, a new color on the market that didn't exist. Most of them were pink and purple and all that because obviously they're catering to uh, women and girls, but I made a royal blue one and it's done pretty well. It, it took a significant amount of, uh, of capital to begin, like I said, but, but that was my, my first online business stab and it prepared me really well for more of the uh, the things that I'm doing today. Mm. So when you think about your transition out and you said, I'm doing what I love doing now, uh, explain to the audience what that is. So, you know, you moved from this corporate world, you moved into the online world so that you could fund your quote unquote lifestyle. But what is that lifestyle? Sure. So the, the thing to understand about that is that I traded trading my time for money to generating mostly passive income in order to free up my time to do whatever I please and to do what I deem meaningful. So at this point, my decisions are not based off of money. They're based off of meaning and they're based off of desire and excitement and fulfillment. So moving forward, I, I get to essentially do what I want to every day. And, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of excitement and, and really like wonder that comes with it because every single day I get to wake up and I, I'm not living the exact same day I lived yesterday and the day before and the day before, like I used to, I get to travel full time and, and plan photography trips and, and outings that get me just pumped. And I get to help other people make similar transitions that I made because I understand that you know gaining that time opens up your life to experience that fulfillment and that happiness and to integrate all those you know amazing routines that you know you want to do you know if you want to start yoga or start reading or you know working out every day and eating right right there's so many positives to gaining that time and that energy that um, that really up your game and other aspects of life. So as, as I was talking about the, the things that I get to do now are more so focused on meaning. So what I find really meaningful now is helping people gain that time freedom and that financial freedom. So I believe that that time freedom 
stems directly from financial freedom. And there are multiple ways to get that. And so the way that I did it and the way that I advocate for others to do it is, is twofold. Number one, creating that passive income online. So with that, you solve your income problem and you gain time for other things. And so when you generate your first stream, you can immediately build a second and a third and a fourth and continue to outsource and scale and quickly make what you used to be making, giving all of your time. So that's, that's one way to do it. The other way is to downsize, to scale down your lifestyle, which is what I call tiny living, which is also on the tiny home topic that we're going to talk about. But tiny living is more of a ideal. It's more of just a minimalistic way of consumption. And it's been revolutionary for me because what I was the way that I was living was, yes, I was making a lot of money. I was in the top 1% of income earners, you know, for my age in the corporate world, but I was also probably spending in the top 1% of people for my age. So the net that I was putting away every year was really not that great because the lifestyle that I was living had to be that high consumption mode because I had to justify working so hard. So switching it up, I now get to be on vacation full time and I, I have a next to no cost of living compared to what I used to have. I mean, I'm able to scan the market for the cheapest flights available. I can scan the market for the cheapest apartments available. I get to visit all kinds of friends and family all the time. So that that's been a huge plus as well. So there's, there's just so many benefits to tiny living that, that I've, that I benefit from myself. And so those, those are the two ways. Mm. Well, of course, Austin, there was uh, in remind me because you probably know there was two guys that uh, did this sort of semi documentary of this minimalistic life. What, what were those guys' names? Do you remember? Ooh, them? I, I was don't it, know their like names. Like a Netflix thing or something like that. Yes. Or, so you're, you're talking about minimalism, yeah. the documentary. Right. I don't remember what their names are off the top of my head, but well, some of that has been coming anyways. And as a boomer, of course, uh, and my parents grew up with nothing. I mean, they were in the depression, they had zero. So then the accumulation of some assets came to the other side because there was complete poverty. But of course now technology allows us to do what we never could do before. Uh, and you're taking advantage of that. So with that, what have you learned moving into this space? Because I've known some people who, quote unquote, have semi-retired, let's say, and they're beside themselves. They, they really um, are struggling with purpose and meaning because they don't have anything to get up to do in the morning. So how have you handled that transition, Austin? Great question. Great question. What I, what I tell people in these situations, the people that actually do have that time, but they don't have that purpose is to find what they, what they, uh, or what pulls at their heartstrings, what makes them emotional, like what, what gets them off, if you will, like you, you need to tie work and not the, not the traditional form of work, but you need to tie work to something that you find meaningful, something that you find, uh, very purposeful. And there are multiple ways to do it, but the way that I reference in my book to actually make this happen is by returning to your child, your inner child and understanding 
what you wanted to be when you were a child. So I think those aspirations, those role aspirations have significant meaning and ties to each person's purpose. And so I had multiple aspirations, role aspirations growing up that I speak about in my book. So it's, it's, there's three of them. The first one was a, uh, a doctor. So the doctor role is a role that, you know, a lot of child, a lot of children aspire to be. And I think that it's, it's tied to a purpose of removing suffering from others. So it's not necessarily to say that all these children want to become a doctor, but they want to remove suffering from others and they're forever going to find fulfillment and happiness in doing that. And so understanding what you wanted to be when you were a child can lead you to that purpose. And that has been a great way for me to essentially consult people and help them reach those, those levels of fulfillment by, again, understanding their childlike aspirations, uh, you know, that they used to have before the world got a hold of them. Mm. Uh, so continue. You said that you had um, a couple other items that were... Now, by the way, uh, before you go to that, tell the audience your book and where they can get a hold of it. Absolutely. So my book is called What a Time to Be Live, Reinstating the American Dream Through Passive Income and Tiny Living. The best place to find it is on Amazon. If you search for What a Time to Be Alive, and Alive has an exclamation point. So... That, that's the best place to, to get it. But uh, I released it in August of 2020. And within two months, it was a international bestseller in eight countries and seven categories. So it's done pretty well. Sold a lot of copies so far. And, and the response has been more, uh, more than I could have expected. I, I really just enjoyed a lot of the people that have messaged me and have just gotten a lot out of it. And you know, began to change their lives and, and just really kind of benefited from a new perspective because I have so many perspectives at this point, having the ability to travel the world full time and implant myself into other people's living situations. So I'm really able to cherry pick the, the best of the world at this point to understand what I actually want to do and what's available and where I want to be and who I want to spend my time with, et cetera. Cool. So uh, for our listeners, it's what a time to be alive and, uh, you know, make sure that you will have all in the show notes and the link uh, to the book there. So Austin, what were some of these other insights that you were talking about in the book that um, would be beneficial to the audience? Sure. So we've, we've touched on one of them and that's kind of the underlying theme of the book is creating a life in which you don't have to trade your time for money anymore because that opens the door for you to actively work towards your potential. So I think that the American dream initially was designed to give every single person, every single American, the opportunity to reach their potential. It wasn't about the opportunity to buy the latest iPhone and the opportunity to have a huge house and the nicest car. It was about people gaining the opportunity to do things that would be fulfilling and meaningful and fill them up with joy and gratitude. 
And that is what I'm trying to get people to understand and what I want to help people achieve because there are so many ways to do it, but the formula that we're using collectively in America is wrong. You know, like we, we just think if I only had a nicer car and a bigger house and more clothes and more things, I would be happy and fulfilled. And that's the exact opposite thing that you should be doing if you are flipping the script and, and going after purpose and fulfillment and meaning you know, th those are the things that are going to lead you to that happy life that you've been dreaming about since you were a kid. And my book, I think, kind of just reframes the uh, the mindset that we have and, and really kind of, again, gives a new perspective about how to achieve that happiness and that fulfillment that everybody craves. Mm. Well, you mentioned something in your uh, notes to me as the host here. And, you know, thank you for that, Austin. And sure. you know, I couldn't agree to you more when we think about consumerism and what it means and what it does. But let's go to the other side where society. Now, remember, this podcast goes all around the world. So not just the U.S., but Canada, Australia, you know, U.K. We have listeners all around the world. Is uh, this whole um, calamity called student debt. And so we have everybody wants, and I, by the way, I have a son that's nearly the identical age as you. So when we think about going to university or college, and that's the drive that many parents have for their kids, what would you say to individuals out there, you know, going through it, or will be parents that will have kids, what do you think about education and just this whole, I'll even call it sort of corrupt amount of money that you have to get to get a, a four-year degree? Yeah. Say that, what do you say to that whole situation? Yes. So I, I have so much to say, so much to say on this subject. So, I mean, I, I went the traditional route. Uh, I, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I, I did it well. I excelled at it. I got that six-figure job within a couple years of graduation, and it turned out to be exactly what I didn't want. <laughs> so... I I wish that I would have had this information before because taking out that debt to get that degree pigeonholes you into having to work for the rest of your life. So that debt and these numbers are extremely important. So the average college graduate in 2019 that just graduated in, in May graduated with $39,100 worth of, of debt. And the research has shown that the average bachelor degree recipient takes 20 years, it's actually 19.7 years to pay off their debt. And what that means is there are colossal interest payments that add up over time that essentially just puts you underwater that you can't, you can't recover from them. So the idea is instead of going into that extreme amount of debt in order to get that piece of paper, you know, there, there are so many other ways to do it. And, and what it boils down to is just having that knowledge and doing something that you, you love, right? So if, if that's the goal, like you're trying to gain this knowledge in order to apply it to something that is fulfilling to you, there's not, there's not a reason to spend that much money to get it unless you know for a fact that you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, that you must have that degree. Like if you know you want to be an engineer, right? Um, I, I think one of, the, one of the most amazing bits of information I can share with you here is that MIT has a 
uh, a platform called OpenCourseWare, where they, they 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 basically have a whole online school built for free. You can learn anything you want, any subject. You can take any MIT class online for free. It has video lectures, it has free textbooks, it has quizzes and tests and the entire college experience without the socialization aspect. So you can get all the knowledge, all the information from one of the best schools in America entirely for free. And that alone kind of just shifts a lot of people's perspective because if you know that it's available for free and it's high quality, why would you pay 60, 70, $100,000 for it if that's what you're going for, right? And this opens up the debate about what is, what are the benefits of college, right? So a lot of people say like it's the socialization aspect, like it teaches or it allows people to become who they want to be. And it, it, you know, they're away from home for the first time. And, you know, you've got all those, all those arguments, but my answer to that as well is, you know, there, there's just so many other ways to get that socialization aspect too. So I highly recommend that most college or excuse me, high school grads take some time to travel before they decide whether or not they want to dive directly into college. So what that does is it, it kind of solves that socialization, you know, cultural integration aspect actually faster and more efficient than you would get it in college because you're not only living in this little college bubble that you've chosen, you're traveling and getting a global perspective on what's going on and what your options are and, and you're, you're getting cultured to many other possibilities and ways of living that you wouldn't have understood or known were available if you went straight to college from high school. So I think that is a huge, huge thing for, for parents and, and for kids that are trying to decide if they want to go to college or not. And, and the last thing that I'll say about this is kids at 17, kids at 18 that are trying to decide whether or not they want to go to college are looking at what these degrees are starting at salary wise when they graduate. And so the average starting salary is, you know, between 50 and $60,000 if you have a bachelor degree typically. And what these kids are, are thinking is, oh yeah, I'll be able to pay off $37,000, you know, $40,000 in two, three, four years if I get this $50,000, $60,000 job, right? 17, 18 year olds don't know how to budget. They don't know about interest. They don't know about the cost of living. I mean, there's, there's so many aspects to it that I want people to understand because again, making that decision pigeonholes you into working for at least 20 years until you pay off your debt. And if you find out that you don't like what you've signed up for, you're going to be in a miserable spot. And that's where many people today are. And again, having this knowledge before you make that decision is, is crucial because you can go to trade school for next to nothing, get an actual skill and then go into a job that you can make decent money at for a few years and then use that money to do something else. I mean, you're, you're not in debt. You have options, you have freedom and the debt is crippling. And I mean, we're, we're at $1.5 trillion in college debt in America at this point. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And it's, it's primarily concentrated in the millennial cohort. It's, it's just, it's crazy that so many of us are just sitting at a desk waiting for their paycheck so they can send most of it directly to the government just to pay for their loans. And it's, it's a huge, huge issue that, that I 
love to talk about because I just, I think that it's going to change. And I'm, I'm uh, with you. And, you know, here I am, I have a doctorate degree, but mo- two of my degrees and my master's and my PhD were both non-traditional. So executive MBA and then a project-based PhD. So, uh, you know, traditional education and the brick and mortar is, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is, uh, has a, a shortened lifespan, if you may. Yeah. So it's, it, it's not going to be there. And the reality is a lot of these people have built kingdoms. And so, Austin, when you think about it, if I'm a tenured professor being paid a quarter million or $300,000 a year, what's the likelihood I want to change the format? Oh, like, very, very low. Like zero. So (laughs) the politics behind it, of course, are driving it. However, the online world and what you're talking about is important. Just a stat for you as you go forward. Uh, There was research that said, what percentage of parents want their kids to go to a school and get a bachelor's degree? It's just under 70%, 67%. (laughs) And then what percentage of parents want their kids to go to trade school? It's 2%. Yeah, because for some reason there is this seeing that okay, if you're going to be a plumber, electrician, crane operator, it's not as um, glorious maybe as the word. I'm not sure. So all of those come into bear. Uh, yeah. Now I digress. Uh, you're the guest, so Austin, we only have about five minutes left, and so what I want to do here. So first of all, before we get into that, how can people find out about you since you're this digital nomad? Uh, how do they find out about Austin and where he's at beyond getting your book? Uh, what a time to be alive. Sure. Yeah, so the best way to follow my travels and to keep up with what's going on is my Instagram. That's that's basically where I spend my time online, you know, posting value and my, my travel photography photos and uh, my updates about you know, my courses and, and what's going on uh, professionally. So from there, you can get to all the other websites, uh, everything that I'm doing, basically. So that's that's kind of the the one stop, if you will. There's a link in my my bio that you know pulls up another website that takes you to ten other things. So that is the spot. My what's handle your Instagram is, handle? Yep, it is at Austin Laud. So A U S T I N L A U D. Excellent. And we'll make sure that that's in the show notes for the people that are there. So with that being said, and, you know, we really didn't get into the tiny homes per se in, you know, people living uh, minimalistic is sort of our process. But if you were to kind of wrap up, you know, at your young age, Austin, so uh, I could be your dad. So that's why I'm saying that <laughs> this is not a judgment. It's just a, an observation in you know, having a son of a similar age, what would you say to people out there beyond what you've said already as far as, you know, rethinking life and any other sort of ideas that come out of your book uh, in the last couple of minutes that we have here? Sure. I would say find something that makes you excited, that pulls at your heartstrings and build it into the foundation of your life. That is... That is, that is the key. I mean, you have to do things that give you that excitement and then that gratitude associated there. I mean, that, that's just absolutely paramount. If, if you're going to work every day and you're, you know, not enjoying your life and you're just constantly looking forward to, you know, vacation or some event or something like that. I mean, it's so easy to wake up at 70 and look back and say, crap, I just wasted Every, I just wasted everything. I, I didn't do what I wanted to do. And 
I, I didn't see what I wanted to see. I didn't, you know, tell this person what I wanted to tell them. Right. It's like there's, there's so many regrets that come from not living your own version of an extraordinary life. And I think that's, that's the key, you know, your version of the American dream, your version of the, of an extraordinary life, like figure out what that looks like and go get it. Mm. And what would, and if you, and I appreciate that Austin. And if you come across sort of naysayers and people say, what are you doing? I suspect everybody supported your move, right, Austin? <laughs> if only, if, if only. only. It, so uh, we are going to have some resistance if we go down this new pathway. What would you say to those people who are just mustering up the courage to go in this new direction? What would you say to them so that they can get over the hump and, and, and move into this new space? That's a, that's a great question. So you're, you're going to lose friends. Your family's not going to understand I mean, trying to explain it and actively chart the path to where you're trying to go is a very difficult thing. And you know, the naysayers are, are crippling, right? So for one, I try to keep my ideas to myself until they have for, you know, become reality until I'm at the verge of, you know, them actually coming to life, right? So I, I try not to talk to people that I know are going to push back and, and not really understand it until I get to a critical point. And, and again, I think that if you're worried about losing your tribe or, you know, losing friends and, and you know, going through that membrane, if you will, I'll say this. I meet so many people all the time around the world when I'm traveling that I get to connect with that are like-minded and, and people that I would never have expect to have met. And so going in the direction that you actually want to go, you're going to meet so many new people and new communities and new resources and new mentors. I mean, there's, there's just an amazing amount of synchronicity that will happen when you are trudging in the direction that you are being called to go. Yes, you're going to lose friends. Your family's not going to understand, but I promise, I promise it's going to all be okay. You're going to find your tribe and, and that's the way to do it. Mm, cool. Cool. Well, Austin, thanks for hanging out with us in that you actually made some time in your digital travels, sorry, <laughs> your nomadic travels. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You to hang out with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much again for having me, Ken. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you're welcome. Well, stay with us, Austin. So Secrets of Success listeners, you've heard us talk about this many, many times, is that every single person on this planet has a purpose, you have a calling, you have an assignment, and Austin is really sharing with you a way to achieve that in that a lot of times the constructs of life have hindered us to realize our potential and also to hinder our highest level of contributions. So again, think about that, take responsibility and not everybody is gonna be online with that. So if you like what we're doing, if you like our show, please pass it on, share it, leave a positive comment in whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for spending your time with us. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.